So, as usual, mm-hmm. I've been watching Sister Sister. Mm-hmm. Staple from my childhood, staple from my adolescence, has now become a re-staple of my adulthood now that I can afford uh, cable. I liked when they used their brother as an actor on the show. Yes, I liked that as well. I liked anything that had all three of the Mallorys in it even more than I liked stuff that had one to two Mallorys in it. The superb number of Mallorys. <laughs> the superb Mallorys. It's a good name for something. Somebody sit on that. We'll come back to it when we need it. You were talking about Sister Sister, though. Yeah, so, but some of the, as you know, any show that I watch, even the ones I see over and over again, there's episodes that I don't remember. Sure. And so there's this one from like the fourth season of Sister Sister. Uh, it was called Brother Sister, Brother Sister. Mm-hmm. And it was a setup. Like, you know how the office made the farm and the point was it was supposed to be a pilot? It's a backdoor pilot. Yes, thank you. That's the word. Um, because you you put it in the mail slot through the back door, not the front door. If you put it in front, everyone would know what you were doing. It would never work. You got to sneak it in them. <laughs> so this episode of Sister, Sister, it's revealed, it's a big twist right in the cold open, that Tia and Tamara actually have two twin brothers as well, Terrence and Timothy. What are the chances? I think very slim, uh, based on my memory of the movie Quince, which was about five uh, identical twin babies instead of four. Even less likely. (laughs) That's true. Um, But I assume four is still unlikely. Mm -hmm. So Terrence and Timothy decide that they're going to come stay in Michigan at the Campbell House with Tia and Tamara to get to know them, decide if they're from Chicago. Which I was really excited. I couldn't believe that I had forgotten about this episode. Um, but it's probably because Chicago's only been significant to me for a Sure, few years. when you were a kid, you didn't care about Chicago episodes. No, I didn't. I wish I had. So, um, uh, Timothy and Terrence are, they're just kind of like rowdy. Uh, you know, they're like funny kids. They're the they're boys. Like the class clowns. Yeah, they're the boys. And so they ended up being lab partners with Tia and Tamara, and they somehow all end up in the same science class because they enroll in school for a couple weeks to see if they like it out, to see if they like it. Um, and eventually they uh, they just go back to Chicago. They decide that they like it there better, and they never talk about them again. Every, nobody liked it. Not a great pilot for a show to just have them leave, but I guess you need them to be someplace else. Were they identical twins? They were all identical twins, okay. all four of them. <laughs> that was my next question. They were identical twins to Tia and Tamara as well? Yes, yes, okay. as well. And it, it ended up turning into something good because years later they took the episode Brother, Sister, Brother, Sister and they turned it into the uh, beloved ensemble drama Brothers and Sisters. One, two, three, four. You, me, and TV. You, me, and TV. You, me, and TV. Welcome to You, Me, and TV, the only podcast that'll clear its throat if you call Netflix television. I'm Kyle Conway. And I'm Allie Meyer. We are here today to talk about, speaking of Netflix, actually, shame on me for talking down to them. It is the second week of our sizzling summer of streaming. A little bit later, I think we're going to talk about Netflix's new show, Family Reunion. Yep, it just premiered last week. Uh, brand new. We're excited to talk about it. Prior to that, though, I'd love to quickly talk about some other stuff we watched. Um, I guess I was in the streaming mo- mood. I guess we were looking for streaming stuff, really. 
but we watched an episode, the first episode, and I know this is a couple of years old now, but the first episode of the Jack Ryan series starring uh, Jim, J- James Krasinski. <laughs> yeah, we watched the pilot of Jack Ryan. I had heard pretty much exclusively good things about the series as a whole. Yeah, the only people, I've heard other podcasts like them, but they were kind of on brand for it. You explained to me that um, the origin, the original origins of the Jack Ryan character are very far away. Yeah. I guess he's an analyst still. Yeah. Would they do, they maintain it on paper, but not in person. Is a Tom Clancy series about like a Harvard, I mean, no, it was Boston College. It was, But he's like an Ivy League nerd who works for the CIA and he's an analyst. And he gets, like, thrown in these unlikely situations. The Hunt for Red October is probably the most famous Jack Ryan movie where he gets sent down there because I don't remember actually how that worked. He has to hunt for the Red October, I presume. But now, just as a reality of how all TV and film is made, Jack Ryan has to be super fucking hot before the show starts. Yeah, I'm... If I remember, the opening scene was him rowing. Yeah, so they kept the Ivy League thing, but then they throw threw a little Winklevoss twins in there on you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Jim Krasinski. Obviously, we we didn't invent this phrase. <laughs> He's trying to prat hard. He's looking good doing it. Not that good, actually. Change the face. Yeah, I mean, I've got a I've got a soft spot for John Halpert because he was. Um, <laughs> like oh, he was like a the character Jim was like an early crush of mine in like formative crush years which is it's a shame what they do with it looking back and also just really needles with that relationship a lot yeah the, the, the older i get the more times i watch the office it just like makes me sadder and sadder how much i thought jim was just like the dream boat maybe roy would have a better relationship with pam if she wasn't thinking about sleeping with jim all the time sounds like he has a reason to be non-trustworthy <laughs> i think you're onto something it also disappoints me how much I used to think I was like Pam. Sure. Really well, invested too much in the series as a whole. That's like me. I thought I was a lot like the guy who owned the office complex, but I didn't <laughs> grow out of that. I thought you were going to say Dr. House. Oh, that would have been a real example. <laughs> but instead, I went with the only character in a wheelchair on all of the office. I thought... <laughs> I want more diverse casting. <laughs> I just watched the matter. I uh, I was not particularly impressed with Jack Ryan. I think my opinion was skewed because it, I'm not a fan of a hyper gory show in general. I can put up with it maybe in a horror movie that is really scary and well structured, but this kind of general like war violence. I will just watch the news if that's... I mean, like, I just don't need the fictionalized version of it. There's a scene kind of close to the end where kids get, like, drone striked and then they pick a flaming pillar off of one of the kids and their knees are all melted. It's like, cool. This is the thing that happens. Yeah, that was... I think they obviously have a very high um, budget. The production quality is good. They got that Bezos bucks. (laughs) those bugs they should make an amazon version of monopoly um and i think because they they have so many resources at their disposal it's like it's too um close to the actual horrors of war and you Mm -hmm. made a point while you while we were watching it i i I just don't need to see any more depictions of middle eastern terrorists 
in American television. I just don't need to see it on television yeah, anymore. It's an oversaturated type of casting for a diverse group of people. Uh, yeah, and I think ultimately one that is counterproductive at this point. If you want to cast Middle Eastern people as terrorists, you got to cast them as the president too. That's the rule. You got to be willing to do both. I but I I thought it was well filmed. Yeah, the it was um, well lit. Kind of the second lead was the, I wish I knew his name or anything about him, but he famously plays the partner on the wire. Uh, he's famous for saying shit, and you'll notice I tried to not put a voice on that at all. I just tried to say shit for a long time. It is appreciated. Um, and he has since the success of that show, he keeps getting cast in that same role over mm-hmm. and over. With, like, too close to the same. They straight up have him use that word a lot on other shows. And I think it's supposed to be an homage when they do it. But it really should be like, well, I'm sure the guy's a good actor. Can you just give him a different role? And he's doing the exact same thing. He's just, I mean, it's hard-nosed cops. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he did a good job as well. But ultimately, I just don't. It was too much military um, narrative for me to want to watch more. And I genuinely, as it ended, I thought we were watching like a two-hour premiere. It wasn't. It was an hour, and it felt long. Yeah, I agree. I just, it, like I said, I, it was a more high-budget version of Quantico or Scorpio or Blind Spotto. Yeah, it's done. If that is your thing, it's. Definitely like a high budget, well executed version mm-hmm. of it. Well acted, yeah. Um, it wasn't really very entertaining to me. <laughs> they have a scene where a guy wears somebody else's face to sneak in. It's like, oh, that's a good idea. There's a gun in a dead body. It was really <laughs> which graphic. is my idea because in Terminator, when you go back through time, only flesh can go through. That's why he has to like look like a human when he does it, and he can't bring back any guns with him or anything. So I think when they terminate people, they should pack guns like that in people's chest cavities and then send the chest cavity back in time. And then the Terminator will have, like, a future Lance. Well, it was a good idea. Now you'll never, ever be able to be the first person who actualized it on film. There's no way I'm the first person who thought of a skin suitcase. Did you see Silence (laughs) of the Lambs? No, but I saw the first episode of Jack Ryan. Did you watch anything else this week? Yes, I did. I watched... A genre that I know much more about than military action. We watched the first episode of... I don't know where you're going. I was going to go into the, the main show, but oh, then you sure. shook your head no. So no, I-, I was shaking my head no that I didn't have a joke, so please take us into the next show. <laughs> I just assume that everybody thinks I have a joke at all times, and I need to be like, no, no, go ahead. That's a big burden. I know. <laughs> so we watched... Uh, like we said, a new Netflix premiere. It's called Family Reunion. It's a four-camera laugh track sitcom. I saw no press. I didn't hear about this at all. No, um, it premiered, I believe, on the 10th of July, perhaps very, the 12th. Very recently. People listen to this episode. It's the 15th, so it's this week. Um, It stars... Oh, shit. I don't know why you went. I didn't write this down, so I don't I know why you I didn't write it down went. either, and I just realized that I don't remember if it's Tia or Tamara Mallory. Oh, you know what? I looked it up. One of them has a hyphenated last name, at least, and it's that one. I think... Oh, man. My gut was I think that's Tia, but I don't know. I'd look at my notes, but it's funny to write around the wrong name in notes, so... <laughs> <laughs> How... It's a little wrong. joke to myself. <laughs> 
all the time or this specific episode you purposefully flipped Tia and or you randomly did it yeah certainly I wouldn't say it is definitely flipped that would be easy I would just flip it back but when you get things like my darling thrown in the mix it's anything goes all right um I'm gonna, There's a Maori sister. I was going to say, um, I will be right back. I'm going to go look it up. I'm back, and it's Tia Mallory. I forgot it already. <laughs> so it stars Tia Mallory. She plays, um, maybe not the matriarch, but the uh, the the, mom. the mother. Yeah, yeah. she is not the matriarch. Um, it is uh, about her family. They're the McClellans. They come to... Is that is was it really McClellan? Yeah, yeah. Their last oh, name's McClellan. I wrote down something wrong. Um, McKellen. That is right, because McClellan is my mother's maiden name, yes, that's so it would why be I'm very obvious to me if I if that was what it was. They're the McKellen that family. Makes more sense. They travel from Seattle to a family reunion in Georgia, Columbus, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, they call it the Boonies. I don't know if it's a real city or not. I don't either. I wanted to keep the magic alive of yeah. not knowing. Um, why didn't I, man? That's a great way to explain away not doing research. I just like a little mystery in my life. So they come to a family reunion in Columbus, Georgia. Ultimately, by the end of we watch the first episode, uh, they decide they're going to relocate the family. They make that choice fast. There's no no one fights about it or anything. So that's the basic setup. It's sort of a fish out of water story mixed with I think a it's family more like values sitcom. It's more like the fish is in the water it's supposed to be and it loves it but yeah i guess half fish in the water half fish out of the water one guppy doesn't love it but she's having a pretty good time that's true it's most of the fish in the water one guppy out of the water i suppose it's sort of a finding nemo then wasn't that what happened to our little fat friend so we're talking about finding nemo georgia vacation um, let's get into it. Right off the bat, the first thing, it looks like a sitcom in a very negative way. The, a modern sitcom. Yes, the modern combination. Sitcoms kind of used to get away with their aesthetic because cameras weren't very good yet and TVs were not very good yet. But there's a reason that you can pretty much graph the rise of high def versus like the downfall of sitcoms, with the exception really of Big Bang Theory. It's kind of the only one that made it through is when you record this stuff on high-def cameras, the room looks really big and empty, and the lighting is often inauthentic and way too glowy. It's way saturated, very bright. Um, it's pretty unappealing, and it, enough in the way that I am almost ready to write off the show's production as a whole right off the bat. Yeah, I think I have. I think we've talked about this before on this podcast. It is one of my favorite things to make people listen to me talk about in my real life. I think that sitcoms should still be made in standard definition. Put it in a 4 by 3 I'm all for that. I like when you see the black columns on the side of the TV. I know it's unrealistic, but I think it would save the genre, and I want the genre to be saved, except for let go of the dated comedy from you know the perennial ones. If anybody has any theories on why the Big Bang Theory sets still work, Tell me. I don't get it. Or maybe I'm just, maybe I like that show a little more than other sitcoms so that I kind of give it a pass. But I think it looks way better in high depth than any other sitcom does. I agree with you and have debated with myself. And I, because some, like, you get a show like Fuller House and they try to circumvent the depth 
of field that the HD Cameron creates by just over cluttering everything, but it yes. looks ridiculous. It, it, there's so much stuff. The children's bedrooms on that show are a great example of, hey, yeah. I understand your instinct, but this is a mess. Nobody's house looks like this. And the Big Bang Theory is similarly cluttered, but it doesn't, it feels, it all feels lived in. They might just have really good, a really, really good art department. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also wonder if there's a budgetary element in play because I do think in addition to it being a modern high def problem, it's a problem that you especially see on these streaming shows that are generally made on a little bit lower of a budget. And I think there's a very recognizable internet quality to a lot of these shows that come out. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's detrimental. A lot of times it's not. It's just the reality of the production. But in this case, it looks bad. The house, uh, we they walk in, they're at uh, the house of the grandma. Yeah, they're uh, on the front porch. And, you know, it looks like a studio stage somewhere. Yeah, uh, it, the does. Deck it really of, does look uh, like a stage. I think the, the front porch is probably the worst set piece that we see in the pilot. And I also think it's going to be a huge staple of the show. I think so as well, based on this first episode. Uh, right away, the family is greeted by the true family matriarch, Madeir. Yep, Madeir. She's the grandmother. She is uh, the husband's uh, mother. The the husband is named Mose. He's a former tight end. I don't think we get for what team, but for a pro football team. They talk about living in Seattle a lot, so I don't know if you're supposed to assume that it's the Seahawks, but that's the best guess we can make. Did you know that, I'm sure I've told you this, statistically, the Seattle Seahawks are the team that have the biggest spike and then slump in jersey sales, depending on whether the team is doing well or poorly? Well, I've never been to Seattle. I don't know anyone from there, but that sounds about right to me, you Seattle. Come at me. My friend is going to Seattle next week, and if he comes back with a Seahawks jersey, I'll be sure to report it. That'll mean that training camp is going very well, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> is that what's happening in football? Almost. You know what's happening on Family Reunion. Why don't you tell me? So, Madeer greets the family. Uh, we, It's kind of a very classic sitcom setup. Moe's, the husband of the McKellen family, is uh, they call him a mama's boy right away. His wife is Tia Mallory. Her character's name is Coco. She and Madeer, I wouldn't say it's tense, but... It's a, like a, here we go again, I have to impress the mother-in-law. It's a classic setup. When you say Madeira fast, it sounds a lot like Madea. Do you think they're just trying to ride that? No, I doubt it. I don't know where the name Madeira comes from. You love When you say it especially with a little bit of East Coast on it, it really sounds like Madeira. Uh, I remember when it was a lot of bit of East Coast. Oh, the good old days. Oh, I was so mean. So after we meet Coco, Moe's, and Madeir, we meet their oldest child. The McKellens have four kids. Uh, their oldest is their daughter, Jade. And not surprisingly, she is the one who is most upset that they're in Georgia for this family reunion. You might say she's a little jaded. <laughs> no, I'd say she's cynical, though. Oh, that makes more sense. Um, what about the other kids? The other kids, uh, the oldest son is named Shaka, and then you've got Mazzy, the younger son, and then the youngest is their second daughter, Ami. I like all the names. I do, too. Um, Mose is very fun. I don't know if Mose is short for Is it short for Moses? Maybe. I don't know. Um, 
on the uh, Wikipedia page, it is not. It's just Moe's. Mm-hmm. Um, That's way cooler. I mean, he spells it with a Z for sure, but you could spell yeah. a nickname funny. That's true. Um, is it short for Moses on the office? No, I think his name is just Moe's, okay, but that's, that's M-O-S-E. M-O-S-E, right? Yeah. That's why I asked. I thought maybe that was where you got the idea from. I also, Moe's might just not be like a real name that they made up for the office. They took something close. Or maybe it's like the German version of Moses. Who knows? Sure, sure. Jade is especially upset to be in Georgia because there's a big party in Seattle and she wants to be there. And it's like the first teaching moment of the episode. Coco and Moe's and Madeer tell her that that's really selfish because that it's a crazy thing to say, but she's a teenager. One of the right away more noticeable things about the show, I think, is when they do their um, like teaching family moments, they are very authentic about it. They usually like don't end it on a joke or anything, but it's kind of like a moment where you, the music doesn't actually swell, but it feels like it's going to. And they're very quick. They do them like four yeah. times in the episode, but they just like sit them down. And like actually, this is the way things are supposed to be. Yeah, I think it's something that works well uh, in the script of the show. Each of the, I think you're right that each of the teaching moments are kind of their own beat, and they sort of exist outside of like the laugh track sitcom nature of the show. Which I appreciate more than them just doing the thing where they say the truth and then have the youngest child say the opposite and have everyone go, ah. Holy chalupas. It's nice to hear people be authentic in any capacity at this point in life. Yes, I agree. And I'm sure part of that is because I'm thinking about the sitcoms that I grew up watching and the teaching moment was, I mean, critical. It wasn't a sitcom if there wasn't some kind of like swelling resolution at the end where you learned a lesson. But that's in those cases, it came 19 minutes in. There was a big violin. It was right after Steve really messed up. And then Carl was like, you know what, Steve, you're actually a good kid. That's true. These come like in waves throughout the episode. Eight minutes they do one. That makes sense because that's about four an episode. This was like a 33-minute pilot. Mm -hmm. I I think it felt long. I it was long. I thought it was like forty two minutes. Was it only thirty three? Thirty three, okay. yeah. Because we kind of it, the sh- the episode kind of is in two halves, mm-hmm. and the end of the first half felt like the end of a full episode. I thought. I think Netflix just gets carried away with that they can. They never stop to ask if they should alter times so much. <laughs> Act structure of TV is perfected. The way you phrase that made me think about. If like what company is going to be the first one to acquire the power to alter time and should they do it? That makes a lot of sense because I was quoting Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park asking whether or not scientists (laughs) should make dinosaurs. (laughs) So it's pretty much right on theme with your example. We learned from those movies that the answer is yes. You want to live in a world with dinosaurs or without dinosaurs? Simultaneously both. Parallel Chick- universes. And also chickens exist, so <laughs> kind of already do. I saw a video at work of this enormous chicken. How big was it? It looked like two people in a horse costume, but it was one animal chicken. Well, now I'm suspicious. It was huge. It came out of this little hole in a house. No way. Like a chicken house. That a makes coop. more sense. They're called coops. That's when there's chickens in them, they become coops. Or when there are revolutionaries in them, they become coups. Tell me about the family reunion. So we're on the porch. Um, This is pretty hacky material at this point, but maybe it is a staple of the new era sitcom. Jade, the uh, hip teen, asks for the Wi-Fi password. Mm -hmm. Grandpa 
Madeir's husband and Moses' father tells him uh, tells Jade that they don't have Wi-Fi, mm. and then Jade thinks that that is the password. Sure. Um, and that one made me laugh, but maybe just because when I was younger and I was still living in Vermont, this uh, my friend's house. Their password, their Wi-Fi password was go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And so it was. It really was like a physical routine whenever somebody new came over because they would just say go to the bathroom. And then sometimes people would go look in the bathroom thinking it was going to be written on there. So I do like a literal Wi-Fi password joke. I do the opposite. I took a Sharpie and wrote 12 characters made up of letters and numbers <laughs> on my bathroom wall. And when people come in and ask for the Wi-Fi password, I tell them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> I think maybe any joke about a password that is not my password is password is good with me. That's true. They are doing something different. I was wondering how realistic it was that those grandparents wouldn't have Wi-Fi at this point. They're not that old. I mean, what are they, in their 60s? It's 2019? I don't know. I work with a guy who doesn't have Wi-Fi just because he got mad at Comcast and got rid of it. I also technically do not have Wi-Fi at home, and they'll learn their lesson. (laughs) That doesn't mean I don't have any access to the internet, though. (laughs) So I guess Madeir was right. It actually is a fool's gambit. (laughs) You put your foot in this chicken. I've been saying that all day. Um... Yeah, that's the top of the next scene. It's breakfast at Madeir and Grandpa's house. And they're eating chicken for breakfast. Yeah, and it's kind of the first um, instance that we get. A recurring theme in the episode is that the McKellen kids are, they like are missing out on a lot of the family traditions. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them is uh, they learn that putting your foot in something means that it tastes good. Great turn of phrase. I've yeah. never heard it before. No, I'm me neither. I'm a huge fan. Um, so we meet another member of the family. We meet Uncle Daniel, mm-hmm. who I thought was absolutely hysterical. And I hope he's listed on Wikipedia as a guest, like, appearance. Sure. I hope we see him at least once an episode. Yeah, it seems like a pretty uh, classic role they have to fulfill. Not quite the uh, cousin on an old sitcom. I guess Uncle was its own thing. Yeah, like Uncle what Eddie on Grounded for Life. Sure, oh, but he was shady. That was a bad uncle. Stay away from that guy. Yeah. He was after the Pineapple Express. Uh, this guy, though, uh, he does a pretty classic uh, layabout routine, but it works. It's funny. Everybody knows people like that. Yeah, he got, does I a good laughing. job with it, which yeah, is he what matters. He which is what matters. He comes in. He steals a bunch of food. Uh, he says he has a date, and he said he was gonna cook, but he can't cook. Um, and then he leaves. It's very fast. Totally cleans them out. It's the work is funny. He's doing like good object work as he picks it all up. It's good stuff. Uh, yeah, I think it's really well choreographed. And his his the way he delivers the lines, I think, really sells it. But then the scene takes a weird turn that I didn't totally agree with. The youngest daughter produces a tray of cornbread from under the table, and it was like he wasn't quick enough to get all of it. Yeah, and everybody they're mad. laughs and cheers because they think that he stole all the cornbread. Which you know. I want to see her put that cornbread under the table in a hurry. Don't just let that cornbread magically be there. Oh, okay. I was wondering what turn you thought was weird. So you wanted to see her the act of her taking the cornbread and hiding it? Or if you're going to stop him, then just be like, hey, Uncle Drew, you're not getting this cornbread. It's Uncle Daniel. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of my favorite movie to come out in 2018. <laughs> we did see Uncle Drew. It was great. Fun. I love two-hour commercials. <laughs> um, they also joke about Jade's skin color, and I have nothing to say about that. Yes, but then it becomes a teaching moment. Yes, that, it's very genuine. Yes, 
Which um, I guess they're yeah, they're not really joking about it. With the youngest use, daughter yeah. makes a little joke, but they're using a joke to uh set up a an important um piece of information. Yeah. There's one other thing in that scene we didn't talk about that is actually not that important and I think they should have cut this whole story out of the episode. Speaking of saving time, they introduced the idea that the grandma Madeir is in like this eternal uh cooking competition with her sister and Mar- Maybell. Um, it's totally unnecessary. They come back to it at the last minute and like resolve it. Yeah, it this is something else that I've noticed in Netflix sitcoms specifically where they are so long, they'll introduce us. And actually, the, this most recent season of Modern Family did it a lot, too, mm-hmm. where they would introduce a storyline in the cold open or, like, the opening scene, and then it would not come up for the next 20 minutes. No, on the, I mean, that show, they have to put every character has to have an A story. It totally weighs itself down. But then on show on uh, platforms like Netflix, people just have this whole new act to fill, and they throw everything at the wall and see what fills it. Yeah, so like you said, we get it's set up that Madeer is a really good cook, but so is Aunt Maybell, and they've got a rivalry about it. And we're going to see that rivalry play out at the aforementioned titular family reunion. If you're not going to talk about a plot point for 22 minutes and in within an episode, you can cut it out of the episode. <laughs> it's not a plot point. It's a long time. It's an afterthought. Us. It's weird. Now they, co- I guess I'm saying it's weird because we've only seen one episode, so it's maybe that's not a fair judgment, and they can use these set pieces way more obviously. But the kids are suddenly in a parlor, and they're playing around against Madeir's wishes. But I don't know why there isn't a scene where Madeir like establishes they're not supposed to be in the parlor or anything. It seems like a weird choice to me to just have them already be in there breaking a rule that we never heard. I agree with you that it was a weird cut. Um, I think. My guess is that there probably was a scene or at least a few lines in one of the first two scenes about no kids being allowed in the parlor, mm-hmm. and it just got cut because whoever was making the decisions thought that it wasn't that we would get the story. It's a shame because I think the idea of the woman having a parlor the kids aren't allowed in is great. It's yeah. it's a thing that's real to life but not so commonplace in everything. And, of course, uh, you put kids in a place they're not supposed to be, you're going to have some fun in there. So um, we we open with Jade, and she's dancing in the parlor. She's, like, listening to music on headphones mm-hmm. or over the – it doesn't matter. She's listening to music. Um, thank you. Um, and then the younger siblings come in. I think it's Mozzie and Ami because they're the two youngest. They don't say their names very much in this episode. No. Um – so uh, they start bickering. Ami throws a pillow at Jade, which leads to this wild chain reaction where somebody, maybe it's Shaka, is behind her with like a food tray and she clashes into him and then a lamp is knocked over and a table. They destroy a lot of stuff really fast. Like one hit and they take out four things. Yeah, it's like a cart. Like they're just like spinning and tumbling and... They do, I mean, I thought it was bad when Peter breaks the vase, but this was something else. They also managed to do it when all four of their parents and grandparents are within three feet of the room. Everyone shows up immediately. Yeah, all the adults show up. They're all annoyed, especially Madeir. Um, it's and her parlor. They're breaking her rules. Yeah. She should be. Immediately, the first thing they do, well, she saves the cornbread, and then Ami starts a chain reaction that destroys Madeir's parlor. Yeah. Um. 
Coco and Moe's ask their kids how they think they should be punished. This is another big, I think, theme that we're going to see throughout the series is the difference in parenting style between Madeer and Grandpa and Coco and Moe's. It's a clash of generations. Yes, that is a more concise way of putting it. The grandparents do not approve of this at all. No, and I think that I don't know anything about modern parenting, but at least on television, the children pick their own punishments is a type of modern parenting that I've seen a lot of times. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they are bad parents in the way that in this brief moment they are presented as kind of being. I guess yeah. maybe they're maybe that's not the, how you're supposed to take it, but it feels like it to me when we watch this. They are not being responsible and they're letting their kids run wild. But most of the episode, the children are very respectful and participatory and like whatever anybody wants them to do. And yeah, I agree with that. So if it is... I guess you should just trust them that they're good parents is the answer to that. Well, it's not the... That's not the show's answer. Yeah. Uh, they, they don't argue, but the adults go back and forth about what kind of parenting is right. Eventually, it's revealed that uh, by one of the kids that they don't go to church. The McKellens don't go. Seems like the kid knew the parents were getting in trouble by dropping that. He had that loaded up, ready to go. Yeah, he says that dad says we're bedside Baptists, which I thought was a funny line. Yeah. Um, so then immediately it's decided that the McKellens are going to go to church the next day with Madeer and Grandpa. Well, we also find out that Moses' father is a pastor. He is the pastor of the church. Yes. So it is kind of a big secret that he's keeping from him. He's like, hey, Dad, your job? Not interested. Not participating. So everyone does go to church. Uh, there's never any fight on this, which makes sense. Why would you? Just go to church. Yeah, Shut yeah. your mouth and do what your parents want. That's a lesson you kids out there. Um, and it's a new experience for all the McKellen kids. They've never been to church before. Um, we learn, we see a woman catch the Holy Ghost, and then she has to be carried out of um, the church. And it's a really fun, like, physical moment, which mm -hmm. then ends up being important later. We also meet Maybelle, the aunt. She's also the aunt from Family Matters. I do not know her name also. Maybelle. That's right. I forgot. And uh, Uncle Daniel shows up late. He two hours late. It's a five-hour mass, and he comes at hour two. Uh, yeah, he gets a funny line about he's relieved that the collection plate already went around. Mm -hmm. um, Grandpa is giving a sermon about the prodigal son here, so that's a little something for the scholars in the future to look back <laughs> into. And, Which you think the prodigal son is going to be Moe's, but that is when Uncle Daniel walks in. He's like, wait, what? And he, like, specifically talks about him. But you have a kid that just came back from Seattle. That's the prodigal son. <laughs> and um, we also meet Ava, who is, like, the – I'm not sure if it's the youth choir because she's Jade's age. She's a teenager. Or if she is just the choir leader. She is wearing different robes than the choir when they show them later. So maybe it's her own thing. Yeah, she sings during the service. I actually think it sounds really good. Like, she actually is singing in the service, which – like, I just think about how digitally produced all the live singing in Fuller House sounds. Fuller House is especially bad, but it's good to know that's not totally Netflix's decision. Yeah, I thought the audio in the whole church service was mixed really well. Mm -hmm. So by this point, like you said, the service is five hours long, and the youngest, Ami, pretends to catch the Holy Ghost because she learned before. 
And uh, so the family can carry her out so they can leave before they have to be there any longer. It's funny. Yeah, I thought it was funny, too. Um, and I, I thought it was a, it was a nice callback. Yeah, it's a little gag. The whole family picks her up and carry her out. And it doesn't really make sense because they're just waiting outside the church for church to be over to talk to their grandma. But I like that they all went. I thought that was yeah, funny. Yeah, it was a good joke. I wouldn't change it to me, but just have church be over then or something, I think. So after church, we find out that Madeer has arranged for Ava, the choir leader, to show Jade around Columbus, give her the town tour. This is another, it's the same thing as the parlor where they kind of, and not in an in-med res way, but they like jump into it and they have Jade just be like, I don't need somebody to show me around town, which I guess I don't need my handheld to that point. But it's a weird, it feels like a weird place to start the scene to me. Yeah, it's also, it's possible that they had a strict time um, limit and they were just like cutting individual lines of dialogue here or there or even to fit a page count. Sure. Well, then in that case, I think they should not do that. Cut the Aunt Maybell stuff. <laughs> so uh, Jade meets Ava formally. Ava appears very studious. She's got glasses. Her hair is pulled back. Um, and I don't. Is it regular? Wait. If you go to a town for like a a weekend that somebody I was confused why Jade needed the tour other than because she needed to meet Ava narratively. I am willing to buy that this is not something I would have ever done, but because Madeir is like a pillar of the church and the community and they are they I mean they talk about it verbatim in the show that it's a huge the community is a huge part of it. I am willing to accept that, sure, Madeira set this up to have somebody else show her, like, teenage uh, granddaughter around. Sure. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, So this is, I think, also pretty classic sitcom. I was really excited when this happened. I was hoping it was going to happen. Yeah, they walk around behind the church, and I said out loud, they're going to smoke pot. So I guess I was just thinking about my church experiences <laughs> too much. So Ava says to Jade, like, just give me one second. And she takes the robe off and she, like, has this dress on and the dress reveals into, like, a more fashionable thing. And then she lets her hair down. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, like, a it's a big reveal that Ava's actually, like, a really cool teen. But cool in a very family-friendly sitcom way. She yeah, looks yeah. cool, but she's not, like, a bad girl at all. No, no, she's just cool. She's, like, well-liked and she knows what's going on. Um... I don't, based on the events of this pilot, I don't think there's going to be anything, at least certainly not for a long time in this series, that is, um, like, like bad teen behavior. I don't think Jade will participate in that, but I definitely think she could get pressured like a, a, a fuller at a dance. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> of course, they are tanners, not fullers in that show, but everybody knows that. I was just testing, Yeah. <laughs> A uh, tall boy named Drew walks up to Ava and Jade. Yeah, while they're behind the church, he comes up. Jade is enamored. Yeah, she she's hot for him. Immediately. Sorry, weird phrase. <laughs> uh, they, she's smitten. They talk a little. And he invites uh, Jade to a party. And her and Ava immediately make plans to sneak out. They don't even think about asking, even though their family seems pretty cool. Yeah, I, this... Uh... I guess they do think about asking, but she writes it off as a possibility immediately. Yeah, this, there's some funny dialogue, like funny, I thought, strange dialogue in this scene where Jade's talking to Ava and she asks her, like, so is there anything to do in this town or is it as country and boring as every as it seems? And Ava says, 
We may be boring, but we're not country. Which is backwards. It's okay to be country, but you should say we're not boring. And even if you either, I just think saying that we may any, don't, why would you associate yourself with boring if you're, it doesn't make any sense. Or if there's a world where she ironically calls them boring because she just think like it's like fun to take the piss out of yourself and not take it too seriously. Right. That wasn't what she was doing. No, the line was not delivered that way. She was making a statement like we're actually cool and boring around here. But not country. No, we do like country music and the food. And we vote closely with them, but we are not no. them. Not Atlanta, though. That's a major metropolitan area. Back of the house, Shaka. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say, so uh, Drew invites uh, the parties at Mills Grove. I like that name. That's Sounds like a nice. mall to me. Hmm. Which I guess that's because like malls in Chicago are just named after the nice stuff that used to be where the mall is. Yeah, see, that's not a... Old Orchard. I've heard of that. That's a mall. And also the former name of the O'Hare Airport. Oh, that's so much nicer. That's why when you like fly to O'Hare, it's O-R-D instead of O-H-A. I didn't know that. We're learning on the podcast today, folks. Yeah, airports were in the East Coast uh, where I grew up. They're not named, or malls, airports. Uh, We just had the Lehigh Valley Mall. No, no, Prussian used to be, that's where Prussia was, right? (laughs) King of Prussia is that fancy mall. Oh, uh, yeah, because the Prussians were rich. I didn't get out there none too often. Too Dagnabbit. I grew up in the suburbs. So, uh, yeah, Drew invites Ava and Jade to a 10 p.m. party at Mills Grove, and Jade thinks she's not going to be able to go, and Ava, yeah, like you said, is real casual about just they'll just not going to tell their parents. She says, my parents are strict too. That's why we're not going to tell them. Makes sense to me. Yeah, and that's about as um, nefarious a behavior as Jade gets into. She just lies, and she sneaks out. And then they ask her how she should be punished for it, and she says, I don't think I should. And I go, well, uh, we asked you. <laughs> that's all we can do. Meanwhile, back at home, Shaka is playing a Switch. Seems fun. like to get in on that, follow Breath that story the, a little more. I want to ride a bear, Breath of the Wild. Uh, he immediately spills the beans to his parents that Jade is at a party with her secret Instagram account. And then uh, Coco said, no, she's not. I follow her secret Instagram, and it's a double reveal. Shaka says, no, no, that's her fake secret account, which is another, like, my favorite episode that Everybody Loves Raymond is probably the one where they have fake diaries. Sure. Well, Robert has a fake diary. I, I think this scene works. I think this is funny. All yeah. the Tia stuff. So Shaka tells uh, Coco about Jade's real secret Instagram account, and it's got all these pictures of her at a party. Which, I mean, put that on your story, at least. You're going to have <laughs> it's just footage of you having a boomerang putting the peace <laughs> sign out at a party. <laughs> That's cool. You're right. I'm wrong. But she has multiple posts, too. She's double posting. That's the least cool thing you can do, Jade. Well, because you have to post once with the boomerang and then once without it and then once when you have it back to show that it works. I only go to parties and I take panoramas of everybody there. That would be better for capturing the movement of the boomerang. The right-hand side is usually fruit being thrown at me in motion. (laughs) Are you on stage? (laughs) No, just very unpopular. (laughs) If you had to have a piece of fruit thrown at you, what would you pick? Maybe like five times the same fruit. 
like a, at you. Definitely a banana. Soft and doesn't do anything at all. Mm. That's the only right answer. But go ahead and give yours anyways. Well, my mind went to what, if I could catch, like, what fruit would I most want to then have five of? Sure. And I immediately went mango. That was going to hurt. Not if I can dodge him. That's the problem. You can dodge a wrench. You can dodge a ball. That guy died like three days ago. Really? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, Rip Torn died this week. Oh, I had no idea. Loved him in Men in Black. Lost my virginity to that movie. (laughs) Rip Torn, I'll carry you with me always. That movie came out in 1996. I'm very cool. Because I owned a DVD. Jade is eating a s'more with Drew back in Morning Grove. Seems nice. Yeah, they're flirting a little bit. Jade has never had a s'more before. Which, that is not a thing exclusive to Atlanta. Did her parents never? Seahawks. Seahawks. Seattle is a great place to hike and camp and stuff. As is the Seahawks Stadium. You can definitely, if you can get past security, you're going to have a great time. Open area, great for campfires. Yeah, I would think that if you lived in Seattle, but I guess they're just really trying to sell her as a city slicker. Yeah, I don't think it really works for the family. I think that specific, and she like seems like she's never really heard of a s'more either. Yeah. You've heard of a s'more. People have talked about s'mores at some point in your Maybe life. Maybe she didn't realize because people only call them s'mores sure. in Seattle. That she has seen the Sandlot. And she said, hey, that'll be funny. I'll pretend I even have some more when I meet Drew. That is a DVD that I own. So if you're keeping track at home, that's one-to-one for this episode. (laughs) Um, I also thought it was interesting. I kind of realized around this point in time in the episode that Jade is, like, 10 years ago, Jade, the city slicker character who doesn't fit in in this, like, more rural southern environment, would not have been from Seattle. No, definitely not. She would be New York. Maybe Chicago would be like the smallest they would get. But yeah, most likely it'd be she's from Manhattan. Yeah. If they were making the show in the 90s, they would probably make it Detroit for the wrong reasons. (laughs) And I thought that um, I was just struck by that. I don't know if I have any kind of profound point to say about it, but what is uh, we're shifting. I think it is also not a coincidence that it is that is like as far away from Georgia as you can get. Will still being a major metropolitan American area. They're, I mean, they're not going to be from Juneau or whatever, so that's as good as it gets. Yeah. She'd be trying to ice fish the whole time. That would be rad. Jade, you're actually super cool. That's a plot to Inside Out. <laughs> Michaela, a new girl, walks up. Yeah, one of the party goers. She's wearing a Black Panther t-shirt, and Jade embarrasses herself by being like, Wakanda forever, nice. I don't remember that dude from the movie. Yep, and... Uh, it's pretty embarrassing. Yeah, Michaela really lets her have it and says that she's got to learn history and that it, you know, it's a shirt referencing the Black Panther Party. Which I think Michaela is supposed to be a little bit of a villain in that moment, but it also feels like, hey, you know what? She's kind of right, Jade. I, yeah, I do think that, like, Drew says Michaela is always... The friend says she's extra all the time. Ava says that, and oh, Drew I'm... says something else kind of negative about her, but not that bad. Um, yeah, I do think that we're supposed to see Michaela, even maybe not necessarily as a villain, but as a rival for Jade. And I think she's probably going to 
keep recurring in that role. Yeah, I think they're probably even going to fight over Drew. That's the classic. It wouldn't surprise me. Michaela's uh, tall, so is Drew. Michaela is very tall. Um, Drew is nice to Jade anyways, though, despite thinking that she's very stupid for the time being. <laughs> uh, her parents at this moment walk up into the party um, and decide to dance in front of everyone to embarrass her instead of dragging her out of there screaming. That's a funny choice. Yeah, I thought that... Um... When I saw that, when we got to this scene, and that's, I realized that's what they were gonna do. I was concerned because I'm thinking about like other current sitcoms and how a scene where the main parents are dancing to embarrass their kid may have gone, and it wasn't. It wasn't fun. I didn't have fun thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what makes this work uh, is that Coco and Moe's. Uh, the actors are they seem like they're having fun. Mm-hmm. Everyone seems like they're enjoying being there and it doesn't feel I thought this outdoor set was the least stagey set. It looks better than the house does. I think it looks significantly better than the house did as well. Um and I thought it felt like a real party. Now, I would say my greatest mark against the show is that this feels like the third act of the kid running away to a party story and the episode's about to end. Uh, it's not. The episode is kind of like two episodes sewn together into one freak episode. We're only like halfway through it at this point, even though we just reach a pretty clean narrative conclusion of something that happened. Yeah, I agree. And I expected that the next scene would be them getting home. Jade gets in trouble. Madeir Caesar or something. Yeah. But it's not. The next scene is a family reunion. Oh, wait, no, I skipped. I do skip over the Madeir thing, didn't I? Yeah, but it's still not. I didn't write that down at all. So after Coco and Moe's dance at the party and embarrass Jade, we cut to the three of them coming home from the party, and Coco and Moe's are trying to sneak Jade back in because they don't want to get in trouble with Madeir because their kid snuck out. Which it, they, if they had filled that out more in the episode, then Madeir was like being critical of their parenting or something. I think this would have been a much more rewarding scene. Yeah, this is only the second beat we get about different parenting styles. We get that first one um, about them choosing their own punishments, but you're right, that's pretty much it. Which I think there should have even been a scene, within the scene where they get the dirt from Shaka, I think they should have been like, oh no, if Madeir finds out, she's going to think we're bad parents. Yeah, you're right. One that line would've, maybe would have been all it took. Would have gone a long way, because I was pretty caught off guard by this whole scene. I thought it was pretty confusing at first. Oh, that's interesting. I wasn't confused by it, but I thought it was strange that Jay doesn't really get in trouble at all for sneaking out to the party. No. I thought the parents were worried about getting in trouble for someone, too, which I guess they kind of are. But for some reason, I thought like they had left church to go get her, and that's what she was going to be mad about. But it's not. Jade and her parents just want to sneak Jade back in the house so that Madeira doesn't get mad. She catches them right away. Yeah, she's in the kitchen cooking. Um, there's like some funny visual gags with people looking through the window, and then eventually Madeira pops out through the window. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny. And then Jade leaves them to talk, which she really finessed them. <laughs> she's really like dodged the bullet. Yeah, that's what I was really. I think that for me was the most confusing moment of the episode was that they all come inside and then Madeir and Moe's and Coco all just say goodnight, love you and kiss Jay goodnight and she goes to bed. Nobody cares that she snuck out. No, they expect Madeir to ridicule their parenting right away. Um which again, Jade is getting away scot free, so maybe they should. Yeah, but she really chose her own punishment on this one. Then they do the very TV thing, maybe also very real life thing, where Madeira goes, actually, 
Mose was such a handful when he was a kid that I used to tell him he was going to have a kid just like him. So I'm very satisfied that he's struggling with Jade. Yeah, they talk about how she's grown up too fast. Um, it's just kind of a a pleasant scene. It's that's, a talking scene. That's a good way to describe how not entertaining it is. It just kind of slows the show down. It's very pleasant. Yeah. Everyone's nice. They're trying to lay emotional groundwork, which and, I think is the hardest kind of scene to write, except for an argument. And ultimately, she comes to the conclusion that they're trying their best, and that's all that matters. Which, again, if that was what this episode was, if that was the A storyline, that would be a very nice conclusion for it. But instead, they have, like, two competing A storylines, maybe three even by the end. It's also worth noting in this scene, Madeer is cooking, like we said. Specifically, she is cooking all the food for the local soup kitchen because their staff has... Every single person has fallen ill. And if this hasn't come up earlier in the episode, it's 20 minutes in and they have not mentioned a soup kitchen before. No, she's only doing it so it can be established that she's not actively cooking for the family reunion and the big baking rivalry with Aunt Maybell. So if you can cut the baking rivalry, we can also cut the soup kitchen that doesn't make any sense. Ooh, These are the easy soup fixes. Kitchen I eat. I know. Everybody's sick. She's cooking so much food and none of it is for the family reunion. No, it's all for the soup kitchen. They should just people are sick. The whole staff is sick at the same time. Just invite the homeless people to the park where the family reunion is. <laughs> that would be nice. That would be nice. It's a family reunion and it's a big grill out at the park. Yeah, so this is what I was saying before. It felt... The end of the last scene where they all say we're trying our best with Jade and Madeer and Kunko and Moe's kind of come to a mutual understanding. That really felt like the end of an episode. Mm -hmm. Jade, we didn't get a resolution to her sneaking out, but it didn't. She left I the room them, at least. Yeah, I guess them coming and embarrassing her was the resolution. Yeah, that's her punishment. And ultimately, she is a good kid hanging out with church kids, I think. Yeah, is, it, so. that was also, I just kind of assumed, like, well, I guess they weren't really doing anything bad at the party, so there's, they didn't care that yeah, much. Yeah, there's no drinking or smoking or anything like that, no even hinted to. Yeah. They're just kids hanging out in a grove. But it's instead, like you said, we have the start of what feels like, like a part, like what should be a whole second episode, a part two. But it's too late. The, it's not like we're 20 minutes into a 44-minute episode. Like you said, it's only 32 minutes. So yeah. there's just like this weird extra act. Yeah, it's like 14 minutes long, this whole next section. Like you said, we open. It's the family reunion. They're playing Sister Sledge, which is kind of like a very... Even that could work as like the end to a pilot, but it's not the end. Yeah, it's just the opening of this, the second act, basically. We're just playing We Are Family as we get a lot of... Pretty nice shots. Yeah, Uncle Daniel's playing checkers. A lot of food and juice to go around. We got an exchange between Madeer and Aunt Maybell about the baking competition, their rivalry. There's definitely some dominoes going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moe's... Okay, so the Moe's, Coco, and Jade are sitting holding babies. Who knows whose babies? They'd never establish it, but it's a big family, family reunion. Yeah, there's somebody's babies. Moe's just sat down and was like, is anybody watching these? Um, they talk with Jade a little. She says that she likes it there. She said, yeah, she's enjoying the trip. Yeah. I mean, she's been there for like 24 hours. What's there and to complain about? She thinks the guy about? is cute. Yeah, yeah. She's got everything she needs except for the damn Wi-Fi. So then as soon as Moe, as soon as Jade leaves, Moe softball pitches the idea of moving back to Georgia. And Coco's like, I could be open to that one day. And then they're like, great, let's do it. Yeah, it is a very... Uh, 
fast decision. They pretty much, as soon as they think of the idea, they decide that they're going to do it definitively. Which I will say to the credit of the show, this guy is like a rich athlete who could retire from the sport at any time. It makes sense that they would move back home. Yeah, it's not like they just inherited a farm yeah. and quit their jobs and moved there without any plan or savings for the future. It's a genuinely supportive community. The weather is nice. They could get like a really nice place there. But it, they just jump into it so fast. There's yeah. no resistance from anybody at any point. Well, one person does a little bit later. But. And you would think that Coco would be somewhat resistant. What's her job? They kind of plant the idea in the opening of the episode that she and Madeer are, they don't always see eye to eye. Not that it's actively tense between them, mm-hmm. but like Madeer makes a jab about Coco getting big in the opening scene and there's like a reaction shot from Coco. So I would think that there, she would have some hesitation and that is also in line with how a lot of sitcoms are structured. There's one of the spouses is in combat playfully with one of the in-laws. And are we to assume that she's a stay-at-home mom? Because they never make any mention to her career at any point, correct? I don't think so, but I also, I, I don't know. I hadn't even thought about that. Because his life, we get. We understand why he can move in a moment's notice. But what yeah. is Coco doing? I guess she's got four kids. So if she if he's making millions of dollars and she's watching the kids, that makes sense. It does make sense. But I just wish they had said it. Yeah, that's. I wish we had an answer as well. Uh, and if she is currently not working, I bet we'll see an episode where she gets a part-time job. She decides she wants to go back to work. Sure. Um, they, so they fast track the idea. It's totally off to the races. A dude comes up and hits on Jade. His name is Elvis Mulberry. Mm-hmm. He is a local kid. He's younger than Jade. I would say maybe like Shaka's age or a couple years older. Yeah. I think a little older than Shaka, maybe but younger 13. than Jade. Jade is like 15 or 16, something like that. He is very recognizable as being the smart alecky, smarmy team. He's kind of, obviously the hit on thing is its own separate trope. Normally that character is a little nerdier than I think this guy is meant to be. This guy's supposed to be a little dorky, but in a, like a dopey kind of way. Yeah. He dresses dorky for sure, but he's not entirely unable to like interact with other people yeah yeah it's kind of like farkle in girl meets world sure who yeah he should be a big people should dislike him more than they do for the way he acts yeah but for some reason everyone's fine with him and i guess i we have to i think he says that he's not a part of the family yeah he says he's he's a, a friend ah uh, yeah i wish i remembered better so and yeah he's uh, pretty clearly gonna be a supporting character who will pop in from time to time like Uncle Daniel does. Yeah, they didn't have much to do for him this episode, but they wanted to introduce him. We're going to see him yeah, all the time. I assume he's going to be a pretty core character. The, all the McKellens come together to do the famous McKellen slide. Definitely could have cut this. The Mc, well, but this is important too because the McKellen kids don't know it. That's true. They have true. to pick it up. So it's another example of how they're disconnected from their larger extended family. It does work as a, a thematic piece. It does not work as a 90-second wide shot. It's a lot of footage of the slide. They could have not known it and then learned it quicker. And I also understand there's a lot of family members there, so the dance floor would be crowded, but you could send a couple extras further back in the shot. Not everybody needs to be on the hardwood dance floor doing the slide. <laughs> so Drew crashes the family reunion 
under the guise of visiting Jade's cousin Damon. But maybe there was someone else I was hoping to say. That's exactly what he says, though I dispute the accent. He's very country. They're not <laughs> They're boring. boring. <laughs> um, so he talks like this. Boringly. Uh, so Drew comes to see Jade. It's like a lightning fast attraction between the two of them. The flame is hot. Um, and the kids are hotter. Oh. Sorry, Drew. Sizzling, streaming summer. That's what summer's about. Um, There's a pie versus cake off. Sorry, I got distracted because I got sad thinking about all of the sitcoms I watched when I was a kid when the main girl character was just inexplicably special. And uh, I kept waiting for that to happen to me. And... I mean, that is the nature of narratives. Yes, it the is. The whole thing of Star Wars is that he's uh, literally a water farmer in a dirt land. He's like, I think I'm special. And then it turns out he's the savior of the universe. I'm figuratively a dirt farmer in a water land. So, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm still waiting for that to happen myself. I don't blame <laughs> you. There's, there's a pie versus cake competition for some reason. Usually, <laughs> in this kind of thing, you make them compete by making both a pie or both a cake. This is a general dessert entry. It's a one-on-one bake-off between Madeir and Maybell. Yeah, uh, Avi tried to enter a uh, crepe and couldn't get in. Avi tries to enter a crepe? I don't remember that no, at all. No, she didn't really do that. Oh, no. Gotcha. <laughs> you did. Elvis volunteers to judge the competition. He brought his own fork. But then an older woman who is not... N- identified. I guess you're supposed to think she's like an auntie, so this is like auntie behavior. She's just another family member, yeah, but she's not She's not in the show before this, and she's not in it after this. Which, it's a funny joke. They should have put her in the show before this. She takes the fork from Elvis, and she's like, no, you need an experienced person. To, this is too important. So, Madeer has a sweet potato pie. I don't remember what kind of cake Aunt Maybell has. Me neither. They don't try and do a blind taste testing at all. It's very obvious who's is who. So, if you're afraid of Madeer... You know who made the pie. If you're afraid of her, that's... I mean, people should be afraid of Madeira. She's a bad ass. That's true. That's true. Oh, this is where we learn Madeira's name, I think. Amelia. Oh, I totally missed that. And I think they do call... I think the auntie calls her by name. Oh. A-M-E-L-I-A. That's me trying to spell Amelia, I think. That is how you spell Amelia. Well, look who won the spelling bee in seventh grade with the word pterodactyl, which he knew had a silent P in it. But there, did you get the silent P in Amelia though? Because that's the tricky one. It doesn't matter. I wasn't didn't compete in the spelling bee. I didn't do good enough in class to go to the bee. My brother competed in the spelling bee. They don't tell you when you're a kid that the spelling bee is just about memorizing how to spell things. Yeah, you just get the little book and then you just learn as many of those words. That as you can. sucks. I thought you were supposed to like be able to intuit how words are supposed to be spelled. You're supposed to remember how words look in a booklet. That's stupid. <laughs> Down with the bee. In apartment 23. And the movie. <laughs> Amelia wins the dessert off by a mile. It's no contest. The auntie loses it. She could go bigger. Now, cut to the end of the uh, bake-off. Everyone's congratulating Madeer. Jade is tidying up. Doesn't seem like something Jade would do, but nope. I guess she's a good kid. Well, she's throwing out a pie tin, so she's not breaking the bank on it. <laughs> That's true. She's just getting a little goodwill. So she's throwing out the pie tin that had Madeer's sweet potato pie in it. She notices a price tag 
on the bottom. Which, if you're going to enter a pie in a des- into a competition, the first thing you should do is take the price tag off the bottom, now, Madeira. the implication is that Madeira's pie is store-bought. Yes. Which I went uh, that I went with it in the episode. This didn't occur to me until afterward. But couldn't that have just been the price of the pie the tin? tin? Sure. Because it's not like in a... I do think a pie tin would be like less than $2, and a pie would be like 5 to $9, though. That's true. That's true. But I also think there's... I, I, was, I thought you were going to say, is it weird that the store-bought pie wins the competition? No, I, did, that's a, I think that's a really common joke, that like the store-bought thing's better. Yeah. Well, they do... I've seen like when uh, people like uh, blind test wedding cakes, and they'll like compete uh, artisan cakes against little box what like birthday cakes this? tv i watch a lot of tv and the box cakes always win but i think that's because like people's palates are not refined or good at all so just the sh- most sugary thing is what appeases people yeah oh that's a that's i bet you're right that's a really good thought i mean my palate's trash <laughs> i keep my paints on there <laughs> uh mose and coco use this uh opportunity now that the pie dust has settled to announce that the family is going to move to Georgia. I think you mean the pie crust. Aye. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. No, we'll finish. Uh, Jade hates the idea immediately. Seems like you definitely should have told your kids in private and had a conversation about it. a public announcement. All the other kids, though, seem really pumped. Which I will buy that, you know, a 10-year-old might be like, oh, great. I like it here. This is awesome. I enjoy my cousins. Yeah. Maybe they wouldn't necessarily. They might hate the idea of leaving their friends. But three out of four ain't bad. And it's also a Moses is going to retire. That's a huge decision. That, yes, they really breezed through that. They really should have mentioned that he had like thought about retiring earlier or something. It seems like he's retiring because they want to move to Georgia. That's what it seems like. But they could also, I mean, he says he played professional football for 15 years. A, he must be a kicker. They talk about him catching a ball. No, but. he's a tight end. He's been I, in the league a long time. Wikipedia has him listed as a tight end. Mm-hmm. It's time for He's being forced to retire. He's on the practice squad. Still um, made it farther than Colton. Ugh. What a dumbass practicer. I just think, I mean, this that's a great job where you can move your family to Georgia and be with them most of the year out and still make millions of dollars. Yeah, I mean, I would ride that out as long as I possibly could. But you fix that by just having him earlier in the episode be like, I'm thinking about retiring. Yeah, just one, once again, another, just one line. He likes. Provided the clarity. Yeah, say that he likes to spend the time with the family specifically or something. I guess maybe we're supposed to just assume that, but they're leaving a lot to us to figure out. So that's the end of the uh, reunion is the announcement that the McKellens are going to move to Columbus. We cut back to Madeer's porch. Jade's pissed off about the impending move. She tells Madeer to mind her own business. Everyone is aghast. Yeah, it's a like a real tense moment. Everyone thinks that she's going to totally get it. She looks to her mom and she's like, your mama can't help you. Maybe that's not. Maybe her mom says, I can't help you. Um, they say only God can help you. That's for sure. So we cut to Madeer and Jade. They're up in... What might be Madeer's bedroom? I'm not sure. I mean, her belt is in there. I think we yeah. can assume that. So she wants to spank Jade with a belt because that we it's established earlier in the episode that Madeer's parenting style includes spanking. Yeah, I, I don't know generationally if that quite works out to me for Jade's grandparents to want to whip her with a belt. 
Threaten her with a belt, I'll buy that. But this seems like a lot, right? Yeah, I'm not... Spank her rather than whip her, but still. I mean, it's that's a pretty physical thing for someone to be doing nowadays. Yeah, when she talks about spanking Moe's earlier in the episode, it's presented much more playfully. Mm-hmm. Um, I was... If they do it in a way that feels real and not in a good way... She gets the belt, and it's like, oh, she's actually going to hit her hard. Yeah, I do think it was played more intensely than I anticipated or expected anything in the series to be presented. Mm-hmm. Um, but so right before she's going to spank Jade with the belt, Jade reveals that she saw the label on the pie, and she knows that it was a Patti LaBelle brand store-bought pie and if everyone finds out then this is going to call into question all the previous years that you won right right and they make a they take a moment to be like to make it clear that madeira only bought the pie because she was busy cooking for the soup kitchen this is the only other time they reference soup kitchen yeah it's a narrative tool it's a lazy one of that (laughs) um but madeira ultimately is well fed she cooked a lot Madeer respects Jade for this move, though. Yeah, there's a moment when Madeer, like, realizes that she's being manipulated by Jade, and then Jade returns the realization by telling Madeer that everyone always told Jade that she takes after Madeer. That's a good line. I thought it was a good line, too, and it was, a, it was like, kind of the first bonding moment between those two characters. There are good moments in this episode. Yes, I totally agree. Could definitely clean it up, but... Uh, their parents, Moe's and Coco, hear all the spanking. They want to intervene. They hear Jade crying out in pain. Of course, we see intercut with this. Jade um, pretending to scream while Madeira slaps the bed with her belt. Yeah, so they struck a deal where the other kids think that Jade got spanked with the belt so they don't fuck around. But ultimately, nobody actually gets spanked with the belt, which is probably the... I can't. I don't think they would ever show that on a family sitcom like this. No, they would have a. They would definitely. Maybe there's a world where she would like wind up and then it would cut away right before she hit. But sure, that sure. feels pretty extreme to me. Like you said, the kids downstairs hear this. They're all doing a really good job cleaning. Everyone's on their best behavior. Yeah, they start doing chores. Then out on the uh, deck a couple minutes later, Jade is acting like her butt hurts to get sympathy from everyone. And it's working. Yeah, the sister is like, oh my gosh, can I get you anything to drink? I'm sorry you got spanked so hard. Except for Coco because she's Jade's mom. Knows when she is faking about having a sore butt. Even though we just saw her on the stairs three minutes ago wanting to intervene and stop her from getting spanked and, like, looking terrified. Well, she knows when she's faking about having a sore butt, but she doesn't know when she's faking about being in severe butt pain in the moment. The cries were real. The whimpering, not so much. (laughs) So, uh, and there's a funny line here where Coco reveals to Jade that she knows she's faking it, and Coco just warns, I guess, Jade to whatever information Jade has on Madeir to use it wisely. Yeah, not a great example. <laughs> then, to round out the episode, they have a family meeting in the bedroom that they should have had 13 minutes ago in the episode, yep, yep. where Mose and Coco apologize for springing it on everybody. 
Yeah, they say blindsiding them. Wish you did. We, we, they really should have had this meeting last night. The kids were all pretty on board. They deserve to know. So are they all staying in this one, like how many spare rooms are in Madeira and Grandpa's house? Are they, you think they're going to get their own house or they're going to move in with Grandpa and Madeira? I think they're going to move into Madeira's house. They didn't, they have not at all attempted to explain the situation here. When they have the family meeting, there's like a twin size bed that everybody gets in. It's a clown car. Obviously, they're not all going to stay in that bed, but I, it's a big house. They could have a couple of rooms, but no way every kid gets their own room at this point. Sure. Maybe they split the boys in theirs and the girls in another, but that's three spare rooms they have for them to move into. They had three gyms. No, two gyms and a walk-in terrarium. But they had, terrarium. They, they had two kids at one point, so yeah, makes sense. Oh, yeah. All the kids are just gung-ho. They're ready to move. Jade says that her friend's mom says that she can move back to Seattle and live with them, but you know she also knows that it's not an option. And she's kind of, I think, reluctantly excited as well by the end of the episode. Well, my sister said something very similar to my mom when my parents got divorced and broke her heart. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, yeah, everyone's happy. Everyone's excited to move to Georgia in the end. Jade, not really a holdout at all. What'd you think? I thought it was a fun show. I thought it was a really fun show. I said it before. I thought it felt like everybody was enjoying themselves and wanted to be there. Will you watch future episodes? Um, Yes, I would watch future episodes. The Mallory sisters, I mean, this is just Tia, but uh, they, like I said, they were a big part of my adolescence and my childhood. And um, I really appreciated the structure of the pilot. We got a lot of really classic sit family sitcom archetypes. The youngest sibling being clever and kind of mischievous in a harmless sort of way. We got one of the middle siblings just kind of like telling on everybody and snitching on the other siblings the whole time. The aloof teenagers. I mean, it's all of the, it's like all the pieces of a lot of sitcoms that I have really loved in my life. What about you? Would you watch it again? I will watch another episode, but I think if it's 32 minutes long, I do not expect them to improve on what I consider to be their obvious problems right now. They need to eliminate a whole act. It's And this is a Netflix-wide appeal to their comedy. There's nothing wrong with making your stuff 22 minutes long. When you fill a sitcom with more stuff than that, it just becomes clear how it's not real. You can't fill it out. It, let it be two dimensions. It's a fun two dimensions. Netflix. Please stop stuffing the bras of your sitcoms. 